Hello, everybody. Good morning. I also decided to welcome again those who are watching online, and I guarantee you, Pastor Craig and Rochelle are watching us online. And how many know when the cat's away, the mice will play? Okay. Uh, and what I like to just say this: if, if my name is Ricky Spindler, I pastor a church in Champaign-Urbana, and I'm just here for one weekend. And let's just say this: if you don't like my preaching, you think, man, that was horrible stuff. Pastor Craig is going to be back in a little bit, and he's way better than me anyway. So you're like, hey, we still got Pastor Craig. We're good. If you feel like I do well, then you can say, wow, Pastor Craig and Rochelle have some really good friends. So either way, my job is to make them look good. Come on, somebody. That's right. There you go. Give it up, Pastor Craig and Rochelle. I just want to know a show of hands. Today is a special day. Because it's the Super Bowl, and I want to know uh, who we got in the house, who, who thinks who's going to win. If you're watching online, put it in the chat for us. Uh, how many say Rams? Who's a Rams? Okay, like four people. Okay, good. How many say Bengals? Oh, okay. How many say I don't even care? Well, <laughs> that's the majority. You won't raise your hand or scream for the dream team, but you'll raise for that. Okay. Man. I'll just say, I can prove to you the Rams aren't going to win. The Bible says that the Ram was caught in the thicket in the book of Genesis. So the Rams ain't even going to make it out of the thickets. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it's the year of the tiger anyway, so we're going with Bengal Tigers. Uh, I want to uh, just begin today by drawing your attention to a portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we'll be, so you can open your Bible and your devices and we'll be in verse 14. As you're turning there, let me just ask you a few questions. Number one, uh, we're continuing this thought of it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be as we really delve down into this thing of relationships. And I heard something the other day that, uh, have you ever just heard a phrase for the first time or a new uh, way that somebody used an old word and you're like, huh, I've never heard that before. Well, this just happened to me uh, a few weeks ago. I heard a story about a guy who was in a relationship for quite a long time and had ended that relationship and was therefore being questioned as to why he ended it. And he said, man, I just had to end it with her because she went 2020 on me. And I thought, what in the world? I thought 2020 used to mean like clear vision, whole, I can see it perfectly. But how many know the whole world went crazy in 2020? With the pandemic. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor or somebody near you and just say these words. Listen, whatever you do, don't go 2020 on me. Come on. If you're watching online, put it in the chat, 2020. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody who has gone 2020, just look at me. Don't even pay any attention. Don't draw any attention to them. I want to, uh, during our time together, I want to examine a relationship in Scripture that was uh, a friendship and that uh, it started good, but it ended up going 2020. And I believe there are principles that we're going to look in this relationship that we see that exists between two individuals that I think the, the applications are across the board. It, it'll work in your friendships. It'll work in the parent-child relationship, and it'll also work your coworkers. It'll work in your marriage as well. There's some significant truth we're going to look at in the scriptures today. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, have you ever done an exercise where you put two pictures side by side and then you have to spot the difference? 
Uh, one is the picture, and what's different in this picture? I'm going to read to you two stories about the same two individuals doing the same thing. And what's going to happen, I want you to see if you can spot the difference. 1 Samuel chapter 16, it's the story of, of two individuals, King Saul and King David. King Saul has the position of the king, but because of his decisions and his life, God had taken his spirit off of him and proclaimed a new king, King David. Now they are entering the same orbit. They are entering into close proximity to one another, and we read about it in 1 Samuel 16. It says, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Saul's attendants said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. The Lord are, so that let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. This would be a harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring them to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. When I read that, I bet David probably wrote these words into scripture about himself. <laughs> fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. That's the most important thing. Right there, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send your son David who was with sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Now listen to this, guys. Listen to these words. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers, a trusted close position. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am, here it is, I'm pleased with him. And whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his harp and play and then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Two chapters later, flip over with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18 Verse six, so just two chapters later, listen to these words. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that means David has now probably the greatest moment that we know him for, David slays Goliath. The underdog wins. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul was singing and dancing and with joyful songs and timbrels and harps and they danced and they sang. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Now listen to this. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me? Only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, a tormenting spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house and while David was playing the harp and as he usually did, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'm gonna pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. 
but had departed from Saul. No, I come from a church that has 40 nations of the world in it every single week. And so often after I read the scriptures, I'll say something from the African-American tradition that says this, and now may the Lord come and think through my mind, stand in my shoes, and speak through my mouth. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the question is, what's the difference? Same two people, King Saul, King David, same instrument, harp, doing the same thing, playing music. So what's the difference between those two stories? Did the music change? No. What changed in this story was King Saul's heart. I want to speak to you over the next few moments about the issues of the heart. Because the Bible says that guard your heart above all else, Proverbs 4, for out of it will flow the issues of life. So if you have issues, or let me say it this way, if you know someone who has some issues, not you, all of those are heart issues. The difficulty in your marriage, heart issue. The difficulty with the coworkers, heart issues. Because out of the heart flows the issues of life. So just three simple thoughts in the next 18 minutes around uh, this story of King Saul. First lesson I think is important is this, is that sin is never stagnant. Left unchecked, it will always get worse. Sin is never stagnant and left unchecked, it will always get worse. See, the problem was not with the heart. The problem with, was, was, was with Saul's heart. See, sometimes we think if we can just move into something new, that will solve all of our problems. We don't like our old preacher, so we'll get a new preacher. We don't like our old church, so we're going to look for a new church. I don't like my old friends, so I'm going to get new friends. I don't like my old spouse, so I'm going to get a new one. And here's what happens. In all of those new situations, your old heart goes there with you. And you'll find that what you thought was uh, the new preacher was better is just like the old one. And you'll find that the church that you thought was better is a, has a lot of the same problems as the last one. And that new marriage that you thought was all bright and shiny is actually you have the same problems. Why? Because you're there. And the, religion, and the reason relationships are complicated is because you and I are in them. Well, you're preaching good. Now, listen, we got to get one thing straight. I'm an HBO, help a brother out, holler back preacher up in here. <laughs> Don't stare at me like a cow stares at a new gate. Come on, guys. You can amen. You can clap. You can high five. Whatever you need to do, help me out. Smile. I'll preach better. I promise. But here's the thing you need to know about sin in regards to our own heart is this. You ready? Sin has momentum. Sin has energy. I call it the synergy of sin. And left unchecked, listen, it will gain momentum and it will destroy anything it touches. Here's what the Bible, here's a, here's a good line I think that is worth writing down. Sin fascinates and then it assassinates. It will fascinate you only in the end to assassinate you. 
The Bible says there, there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end of that is death. It seems all good in the beginning, but in the end, at the very, very end, it will cost a lot. It'll assassinate you. There's a story that is a very sobering story and that I want to tell today. I don't do this too often, but I think it really proves this point. My grandfather is 92 years old. But when he was 85, he got the bright idea. He was a widower for a few years. He said at 85, I'm going to get married again. Come on, some baby. Hey, come on. 85, still got it. Still, woo, come on. I like it. Still got the fire, the passion. He said, so I was like, man, I got to do my grandfather's wedding at 85 years old. Woo, that was awesome. But I decided, you know what? I don't care if you're 85. You need a bachelor party. <laughs> Woo, come on. So where do you go at 85? You go to Walgreens, CVS. No, I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> just joking. I decided he's a fisherman. I said, hey, let's go fishing. fishing. We're going to go on Lake Michigan. We're going to go trout and salmon fishing. So I take, uh, we get some people from the church. He, he gets uh, some friends and we all gather together, spent two or three days on Lake Michigan. And after the first day, uh, we went to dinner and he retired early. I was in seminary at that time, so I had quite a bit of work to do. And so I did some online classes and I didn't even get back to my room until 11 or 12. Now, my grandfather was staying with another relative in another room and I was staying with somebody, an older gentleman in his 60s from my church, 50s and 60s. And I walk into the room that I thought would be dark because he would be in bed. The light was on and this individual was sitting on the end of the bed. I walk in and he says to me, sit down, I have something to tell you. I sit down and he says these words. I just wanna let you know, you're gonna be first to know that God has spoken to me and he has told me I am to leave my wife. I said, well, tell me more about that. He goes on and just describe how he's not happy and describe all of the bad qualities about her and how it's just gone cold over the years. And as he's talking, I, it's like this divine moment where the volume of his voice just went down and inwardly I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said this to me, ask him what her name is. There's another woman. So I said, I'm gonna stop you right now and I want to know what the other woman's name is. He turns as white as a ghost. I never mentioned another woman. I said, God just told me to ask you that. And he says, well, I reconnected on Facebook with an old high school flame. And I felt like the Lord told me I'm to leave my wife and go there. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you read your Bible? He says, not very much. I said, well, do you, do you pray sometimes when I go to bed? I said, so let me get this straight. You rarely read the word. You rarely pray. And you're moving towards leaving your wife in an affair, committing adultery. And you're telling me you're hearing the voice of God. I said, I tell you what's going to happen. I pray every day. I read my Bible almost every day. I said, I am now going to be the voice of God to you. And I said, in the relationship with the woman, return, repent. I'll help you restore things with your wife. I know her. 
I think she'll be willing to, to walk through the process of restoration. I said, the scripture says this, if you don't and you leave, the Bible says that you cannot move towards the sin of adultery without being burned because it's like fire that you now take into your life and it will burn everything it touches. If you do this, you'll lose your business, you'll lose your marriage, you'll lose relationships with your children, and you'll lose your character and integrity that you've taken a lifetime to build. He cries, he weeps, he repents. We pray, it's awesome. Two weeks later, he leaves her. He left her, moved to Florida. A few months after that, they're, they're still in the process of getting a divorce. And this is, this is no lie. She gets pneumonia, ends up in the hospital. She ends up dying from pneumonia. That relationship in Florida didn't pan out. Didn't have any relationship with the kids. Lost his business, successful business, lost it. Was a shell of himself. Tried to come to visit her in the hospital from Florida. The family wouldn't even let him see his wife. Couldn't even attend her funeral. It was a sad story. But you know what the doctor said to the family? Sobering words. He said, listen, I've seen people like this, her age and her strength recover every time with proper medication. This woman did not die from pneumonia. She died from a broken heart. Wow. Listen, sin. Mm, it has energy. It will destroy whatever it touches. Here is Saul. He's just, his heart, he goes from jealousy to throwing spears or close relationship to destroying it. When sin is unchecked in the heart, it wreaks havoc on everything it touches. So we come to another important lesson in this. And I'll quickly move through the last two. And that's this, is when we blame, we give up the power to change. Notice in this story, the second story, Saul, God's hand, and he never repents, and, and God's hand is lifted off of him, and he's being tormented by an evil spirit, and he never once thinks to repent and make things right with God. What does he do? The problem's David. He's trying to take the kingdom from me. He's the problem, and he's trying to eliminate the problem. I'm going to say something here as we talk about blame that as a pastor I need to say, add a caveat to this message. If you have been a victim of abuse, and assault, I'm not talking to you. You did nothing wrong and you have no blame to carry. You were a victim and harm was done to you. That's a whole different topic and a whole different message. You should feel no guilt from that. I'm speaking in generic terms in regards to relationship is that often we have a tendency like the scriptures when, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and God said, where are you? And what did Adam say? It was the woman you gave me. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency as humanities to want to blame other people for our own mistakes. Here's the thing that I know. If you want to really elevate your, uh, your relational humility and really move your relationship forward, when it comes to any sin, move your name to the top of the list. I know we like to put other people's names up there. You always know somebody a little bit more greedy than you a little more jealous than you, a little more prideful than you. But listen, we have to move our name to the top of every list. John Owen, a famous theologian preacher, said this, I know that the seeds of every sin reside in my own heart. 
So put your name at the top of every list because what you'll do is you'll move from a you to a me. And whenever you move from a you to a me posture and language, you know what that does? It breeds humility. Well, that rhymes, doesn't it? You to a me breeds humility. Mm. I'm sorry, that's the way my mind works. I need to stick with preaching, right? Come on, preach it. Let me give you a story. Psalms 139. This is the famous psalm where we get, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We love this scripture. But here's what you need to know. That psalm was written while David was, or while Saul was throwing spears at David. This psalm has a story, a context. He's writing this while he's trying to make sense of why this relationship's gone 2020. And listen to the language. It's not you, it's me. He says this, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive or wicked way in me and then lead me into the way everlasting. Notice what you don't see in that prayer in that conversation with God is any you. All of it is me focused. Six times he says the word me. Search me. Know me. Test me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then he asked to lead me. It's not you. It's me. There is a wonderful illustration of a, of a man who was walking through his neighborhood one day and he notices that a man is frantically on hands and knees underneath a light post on the side of the road looking for something. Curiously, he comes uh, to the side of the man and says, uh, what are you doing? He says, well, I've lost my keys and I'm out here trying to look for him. Well, then the guy was passing by out of kindness, gets on his hands and knees and for the next hour, they scour the ground looking for these keys. They lift up trash cans, look in the trash can, look in the bushes, look in the gutters. They pick up the, the park bench, look underneath there, and for an hour, they can't find it. And finally, the guy says this. Are you sure you lost your keys out here? He said, no, I didn't lose my keys out here. The keys I lost in the house, there's just more light out here, so I decided to look out here. As crazy as that story is, and we're like, man, that guy's in, he's nuts. He's an idiot. That's how often we, we handle our relationships. We want to waste our time frivolously looking out there. And we'll even bring other people in to do it. When in reality, guys, the answer is inside the house. It's inside that we need to be looking. Which brings me to my last thought is this. Worship is refreshing but you can be refreshed and not have your heart changed. Ooh, I mean, guys, come on. If there's any better atmosphere, I mean, David, who wrote the Psalms, the prolific writer of the, of the songs of Israel, he was the primary worship leader in the Bible. We sing his theology all of the time. He's still influencing thousands of years later. That dude is your worship leader in a service. And he's, your, he's not just a worship, he's your personal worship leader. And if you can experience that and your heart still remain hard, then man, you've got some stuff going on. You know, my greatest fear as a pastor is this, is that week after week, people will come. We will lift our hands. We'll receive communion. We'll have an experience. 
but never have a heart change. That's a dangerous thing to be in the presence of God and your heart never be shifted or moved. That's very dangerous. Because music can change an atmosphere, but it can't change a heart. No, I'm going to get the most important part is here. We're almost done. And that's this. The only thing that can change a heart is an encounter with Jesus Christ. Remember that. The only thing that can change your heart is an encounter with Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, you know what needs to happen? Don't even worry about your spouse. Don't even worry about your friend. Don't even worry about your mom or your dad. You know what you need to worry about? Your own heart. To make sure that Jesus through the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning in your own heart. Because I'm gonna prove something to you. Sin is the most expensive thing in the world. Because if you invite Jesus to forgive your sin, the cost of that forgiveness was his own life. He paid the ultimate price, was nailed on a cross, was buried in the ground and resurrected by the Holy Spirit on the third day just so you could be forgiven of your sins. That is a high price to pay. But if you decide, I'm going to refuse Jesus, and I'm going to keep the guilt and the stain of my sin, the price of that unforgiven sin is this, your soul. So whether it's forgiven or unforgiven, there's a high price to pay for sin. Scripture says this in Ephesians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ He forgave us all of our sins. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come back now. And I want to leave with speaking to two groups of people. First is this. There's a group of people in this room. It could be a large group or a small group. Where you have yet to surrender the control and the leadership of your heart and your life to Jesus. You're still on the throne of your own heart. The Bible says, if you confess that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You need, through a prayer of invitation and declaration of faith, to surrender your heart to Jesus. And, I, and if maybe you've drifted, you were once close, but you've drifted far away, you've left your relationship, and today you need to turn around. You're watching online or you're in this room. You need to turn around. That's called Repentance. It's a change in the mind and direction. And you need to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and realize you need Jesus as your Savior. You know what you need today with your heart? You need a heart transplant. The Bible says that your heart is a heart of stone, but through the Holy Spirit, God wants to make it a heart of flesh. Listen, I'm I'm speaking to you in this room. Your heart can become hard. It's not tender. It's not beating. It is just stagnant. It is oppressed. It is in bondage. The Bible says he'll take that heart of stone and he'll give you a heart of flesh. One of the things I think is just so interesting, if you, the human heart beats on its own electronical frequencies. It's a, an electronical frequency that causes it to beat. But you know, every heart has its own frequency. 
No two heartbeats are the same, like fingerprints. They just have their own frequencies. So that's why they hook you up to get a, a monitor of what your heartbeat is, your, the frequency. But did you know if you were to take the heart out of one person's chest and the heart out of another person's chest and they were to meet even for a nanosecond, boom, they synchronize. They beat on the same frequency. That's salvation. Your heart was beating on a different rhythm. It was beating to the tune of sin and the world and bondage. But the Holy Spirit connects you to the heart of God and gives you a brand new heart. That's how you know you've been born again. You are a new creation. You have a new heartbeat, new desires, a new look, outlook on life, heart at the core of who you are, at the place of decisions. Your heart is changed. Now there's a second group in here. And that's the group, you're in Christ, you love Jesus, you walk with him, you know him, you know his word. I would be in that category. But you know what we need? We need a pacemaker. A pacemaker is an instrument, a device you will put in the cavity of your body or the abdomen of your body. And it's close to the heart, monitoring the electronic frequency. And what it will do is if it notices an abnormality, it quickly shocks the heart back into the right harmony and rhythm. It's a gift and it watches and monitors when you don't even know it, boom, it shocks, gets it right on place. Some of you might even have a pacemaker in the room right now. But you know who the pacemaker is for you? The Holy Spirit. Ooh, come on. Yeah, listen, that's a good one. It's good. He's the divine. The other day I was in a conversation. Somebody asked me opinion about some church and some leader. And I was literally, the words were on the tip of my tongue. And I was about to give my opinion. And I just, again, I just felt this little prick on my conscience. And the Holy Spirit said, don't say that. What was that? Pacemaker. Making sure that that sin did not happen and that it would not grow big. It would stop the energy of sin because guess what righteousness has energy too and when you surrender to the Holy Spirit listen the energy of the Holy Spirit the energy is one of the Greek words the dunamis the dynamic power the more you surrender and submit to the Lordship and control of the Holy Spirit guess what happens oh man that creates a divine flow of power into your life you know what I do almost every day Holy Spirit, I give my mind to you. I give my eyes. I give my ears. I give my mouth. I give my hands and I give my feet. I want every part of me to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to have a prayer meeting now. You've heard enough from me. Now listen, I'm serious. We sang it earlier. The Lord is in this place. Listen, the Lord is really going to be in this place and he wants to meet with you and listen from the back of that room all the way up all the way here to the front teenagers young leaders to the oldest he has something he wants to say to you and listen no matter what your deepest sin the furthest sinner away from Jesus today oh listen that's you he really wants to meet with you so let's all stand as we get ready to close And even if you're watching, I want you to stand. Listen, participate as much as you can. Here's what we're going to do. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Again, if you're watching online, do it as well.
I want you now to do something for me. I want you to put your hands out in front of your palms up. Or some of you who are used to this, just go ahead and lift your hands all the way up if you want to do that. The Bible says that when we lift our hands, we are lifting our hearts to the Lord. The Bible says that when we lift our hands, we're literally reaching up to grab the throne of God. Say, God, I need what's up there. Like now come down here in me. Listen, some of you need to touch the throne of God this morning to invite God to do a fresh work. And so listen, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but listen, it can't be just head and heart. It's a confession of the mouth this morning. Well, maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's been a long time, but would you pray right now? And if you're in that first category, it's a prayer meeting now. God will hear you and as quick as you pray a prayer of invitation. He will send his spirit and your heart and his heart are touching. And the Bible says you're born again. You've moved from dark to light, death to life. The spirit of the Lord is here. He will let you know that you're the son or the daughter of God. That's called the spirit of salvation. And he's here now. Pray. If you've drifted away, wandered away, far away from him, and you used to walk with him as a child and a teenager, listen, come home, come home, repent this morning. Turn to the Lord. And today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Don't let the fires of hell and the synergy of sin build so much till there's great consequences. Stop it now. Turn to the Lord and repent this morning and say, God, give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. Save me this morning. There's no magic words. It's the faith behind it that makes it real. This is it right here. I need a heart transplant. Jesus, save me. Now I'm speaking. As that first group is praying, second group, now listen. We're the church. We're the people of God. And, and listen, I don't care if it's been a week or months. We have to pray now. So I'm going to ask you in a normal voice now just to begin to lift your voice to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit now to come and to touch your heart again. Say, Holy Spirit, renew in me a clean heart. Shape for me a moment right now. Begin to say, search me, Lord. Pray the prayer of David. Search me, God. Know me, God. See if there's anything in there that's not of you and then lead me out of it. Come on, I know the Holy Spirit. He doesn't speak in generalities. The Holy Spirit already putting his finger on something right now. If there's greed, pride, jealousy, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, pornography, maybe even moving towards conversations with another person who's not your spouse. Oh, listen, the Holy Spirit's here. Repent now. Stop this synergy of sin. The Holy Spirit's checking us. Conviction's coming. That's the love of God in the room right now. If he puts his finger, bring something to your mind. Listen, don't be a teenager that's filled with anger and bitterness. You remove that now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, I give you that anger. I give you that greed. I give you that lust. Come on, your heart before the Lord. Now, Father, I'm praying. Ooh, come on. I'm praying now. I thank you that you're saving people in this place. Holy Spirit, I believe you're setting people free. People are being born again. That's what you came to do. Seek and save the lost. Oh, that's so good. You're the Savior. Save. Do what only you can do. 
And now, Lord, I pray right now in this room for those who are in Christ, come. May you deliver. May you set free. May you bring fresh revelation, new energy of the Holy Spirit. As they invite and make room for you, let them walk out of life-controlling sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be our pacemaker. Could we seamlessly move from prayer to worship now? I believe, man, listen, and listen, I want to encourage you to sing these words out loud. We're going to sing the chorus in the bridge. One more time, lift your hands. And now, let's worship the Lord with new hearts. Would you lead us, Patrick? Sing these words. We sang it earlier. Old song, new heart. Come on. That's it, come on. Lift your voice to the Lord. Will you meet me here again? Come on, that's it. Cause all I want. Oh, that's it, come on. It's a prayer and a song. You are. Come on. If your spouse is in the room, grab their hand right now and worship the Lord together. Come on. I'm not enough. If they're next to you, hold their hand and sing to the Lord together. Unless you come, will you be here It's a new day in your marriage. There's a new spirit at work. Because all I want. It's all you are. Will you meet me here again? Come on, teenagers, again? lift your voice to the Lord. Don't be silent. Now let's change the atmosphere in this place. Come on. I'm not enough. Oh, that's it. Come on. Unless you come. Unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want. Oh, that's it. Come on. Here it is. Come on. It's all you are. Yeah. 
I didn't have anything to say. Uh, Jesus is here. Holy Spirit's here. Um, gosh. I think one thing that's just incredible is uh, when we give God our heart, he sets it right next to his. He sinks it up. I promise I don't cry normally. <laughs> but he sinks it up to what his heart beats for. To how his heart beats. And I think every single heart that he puts, as he changes it, he puts it back. He doesn't put it back for us to just keep going on our life, doing our own thing. Man, he calls us to walk with him. He calls us to walk in fellowship with him. And as we do that, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. But it's going to be rewarding. And not rewarding just because I think we do a really bad job as, as, a, as, a, as a, a, a church, not just Crossroads Church, but just the mentality of Christians today. We, we want that relationship with Jesus because we're so interested in what we get from it. Man, the things that he would have us encounter along the way as we live our life, as our heart is beating for the things that his heart beats for, as our heart changes, what he has in store for every single one of us is better than anything you could dream up on your own. Any fantasy you could dream up on your own for your life, you imagine up. What he has for you is better. So this morning, and I don't, I don't know where you're at, but I believe that we had a, a whole bunch of hearts that just had a moment of sinking up to the heart of the Father. And I think it's important that we celebrate that, isn't that? Something we should celebrate this morning. So as, as we leave, as we kind of transition to that point, maybe you'd like to have some prayer specifically for something that you're going through. So if we got our prayer partners, you can find your spot. In a second, the worship team's just going to sing us out one more time. And you don't have to run off, man. We, let's, let's linger. We can linger a little bit. And it's second service. There's not another one coming. And you all can stay till CSM tonight. It doesn't matter. Super Bowl what? God has something for us this week. He didn't allow you to experience this moment here today, whether you're online or you're in the building, doesn't matter. He didn't allow you to experience this moment today just so that you could go off and live whatever you, however you wanted to. He has something specific for you. Be watchful for it. Be watchful. And can we, can we sing that bridge? going to, like, that's, that is so powerful. The Lord is in this place. I don't know if you believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to take it away. You can linger all, all you want. We have prayer partners here at the front that would love to pray with you the things that you're facing specifically. Man, I'm excited.
I'm excited for what God has in store. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we're able to come and be here in your presence, watching online to be in your presence. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for the things that you did today. That I want to be something that's just a moment here, but it would start a movement in our life, in our heart, as we journey from this place and go out to the life that you've called us to live. God, you would put people in our way that need to experience that heart shift, that heart change that we encountered because we encountered you today. God, help us to live our life out loud for you. Help us to not forget that you are always with us, that you're always right beside us, and that you want us to to, to follow with you. You don't change our heart just so that we can go out and do whatever. You change our heart and you ask us to come alongside of you and walk with you through life. God, we ask that you would help us to do that. And as we go, I ask that you would bless us. You would give us favor with the situations that we need favor with in life. Father, keep us safe. Keep us safe and bring us back together again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And come, Holy Spirit, and dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And not for a The Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place, and come Holy Spirit, and drive on awaken. The Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place, and I Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Yes, Jesus, cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? I'm not enough, I'm not enough, unless you come. Will you meet me here again, oh Lord? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Yes, God.